can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. Nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. We look to the future, but embrace our past. We study, we analyze. We race on Sunday, so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. Through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection, learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision. That's where it all started. 
Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Fly Racing Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Justified Cultures, Traction MXC Covers, and Moto Ice Wrap. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we got none other than Jason Wheels. Todd, how's it going, Wheels? It's going good. How are you, man? Hey, not doing too bad. It's a beautiful Sunday evening here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Snowed yesterday, beautiful sunny day today, and then we're looking at snow tomorrow. But uh, all, all systems are go here on the Big MX Radio podcast show as we're talking to you, Wheels, about all things two wheels. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it, man, because uh, I feel like the two of us have been on very uh, very parallel and very abrupt uh, uh, upward uh, trending um, the trajectories i guess you'd, you'd call it uh, because uh you you yourself are uh, a very talented young man and with both the spoken word and uh and, and also on the, the social media side um i'm sure there's a few people that are listening to who the heck is wheels so uh answer that question for them <laughs> i ask myself the same question a lot like i'm just a just a kid from illinois that made made is get Blessed to work in the motocross industry, but Heck no, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm a social media coordinator for Racer X and NX Sports. So I help, help with a lot of, uh, social media stuff that you see on Racer X, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, last night during Supercross, I was doing the, the live tweets, play by play action, watching the race. So uh, that's kind of my Saturday night gig. Um, other than that, I do, you know, the same thing on, on the other side of the office as well. I do, I help with a lot of promotional stuff for Pro Motocross, for GNCC, ATV Motocross, uh, WMX, RCSX, Red Limbs, all that, all the, you know, all the stuff that MX Sports is involved in. I, uh, I kind of bounce around, um, both sides of the office if I, you know, if they, if they need help with, uh, race tweaks. That's, that's what I do. If they need help putting up, you know, photographer pictures on Instagram. That's what I do. Help with, you know, promoting the magazine and just, uh, just kind of feel like I do it all. But I, I probably really don't do that much. But it feels like a lot. Fair enough. You do have a lot on your plate. Uh, I, I often, uh, in conversation with others, refer to you as Davy Coombs' personal Swiss Army knife. Uh, and uh, I think that's a compliment. I might say as a guy who, uh, yeah. if he was going to trust anybody with, uh, with with a lot of tasks, that's uh, it's, it's a huge vote of confidence. Um, how did you come to have the position that you have right now? Obviously, uh, a lot of study, a lot of knowledge needs to be put in place for you to have the uh, the ability and the, the cognitive uh, awareness to make the the, the tweets and the, the, the posts and the analysis that you currently make, as well as some of the articles that you write. Um, how did that kind of come to be, and then uh, how did you fall into the position you're in right now? Uh well, what it boils down to is basically I don't really have much interest in life besides dirt bikes. I pretty much have a one-track mind. I grew up racing, riding, and racing dirt bikes, and uh, that's pretty much been the only thing that's inter- interested me my 
my whole life. Um, I struggled a little bit when I was a kid trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. And then, um, yeah, I just, once I, once I 18, 19 years old, figured out that I wanted to work in the industry. I just full systems, you know, full steam ahead. I decided that that's what I wanted to do. I, at the time, social media wasn't really my, I mean, social media wasn't really anybody's deal. It was, you know, Facebook was just starting up. MySpace was cool, but like it, there, it wasn't that big of a, that big of a deal. And so I kind of had, I'd always wanted to go into the marketing side of motocross. And, um, so I went to college and, you know, done education and kind of dabbled here and there with some jobs. I, you know, worked for some other companies, uh, uh, Obviously, you know, the companies I worked for were a little bit smaller, so it's not like it was, uh, you know, living high off the hog type of deal. I was, you know, paying my own way to go to the races and, you know, struggling, grinding to get by. Basically, a privateer media guy. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, through through being at the races and working for companies and uh, putting miles upon miles on my on my van and on my truck to just – or on my truck and on my van to just uh, – to be at the track and to make the connections and to make, you know, let my presence be known and make, you know, meet the right people that I needed to meet. Uh, eventually I, uh, crossed paths with Davey Coombs and, um, you know, I met him at Kevin Wyndham's actually a couple of years ago, down at party in the pasture. I was working for, uh, I don't even remember who I was actually working for at the time. I think it was with shades of gray. And we had, uh, you know, we were kind of talking and uh, spoke with Davey a little bit about what I had going on. And then, you know, he's like, hey, you know, if you ever need anything, let me know. Well, I got home home and I kind of wanted to call his bluff. I was like, let's see, you know, let's see how serious he is. So I sent him an email and I was like, hey, this is what I got going on. I, you know, I'm interested. Is there anything that I can that I can do for you guys? And he emailed me back. He's like, oh, we don't really have anything right now, but I'll keep you in mind. You know, so I was like, oh, well, that was kind of like being brushed off. Like that was my initial like reaction, which was cool. Right. It was fine. I, I still had stuff going on. Um, then he let me volunteer at Loretta's that following year to to help them with some social media stuff. And uh we we kept in touch and you know it was strictly volunteer i was at loretta's anyway working with a kid and it uh after that i was like this is what i want to do like i really want i really want to hone my skills on social media i really want to to be involved with the racer x and with uh mx sports and fast forward back to or fast forward to another party in the pasture down at wyndham's for some reason i have like good things happen for me whenever I'm in Centerville, Mississippi. It's kind of awesome. So, uh, no kidding. Well, Kevin Wyndham's place. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's magical, right? So I pretty much point blank told him I was like, "Hey, uh, you're gonna hire me one day. Like, I will work for you. This is what I'm gonna do. Like, let's make this happen. I I will work for your company one day." And I don't know if he was taken aback by the fact that I had the balls to. Can I say that? Can I say balls on here? Absolutely. Uh, You can say fucking balls all you want. (laughs) So that, you know, that I had the gumption to come up to him and pretty much slap him in the face and say, hey, this this is what we're going to do. And, 
he, you know, he kind of got to talking to some of the, some of his other, you know, people around him and some of the other people that were there with, you know, with the company. And, uh, actually he, even Jeremy McGrath, actually, not to be a name dropper, but McGrath even kind of put a word in for me and which I can't think, can't thank Jeremy enough for that. Good people. And, uh, yeah, you know, here we are. We, he kind of set, they set me up with a, you know, pretty much last year was a trial basis, like prove your worth. I went out, I'm like, all right, well, I'm proving my worth. This is, this is what we're going to do. And then here we are today I'm full time worked pretty much seven days a week for the company and love every minute of it. There you go. And it's one of those things where, like, uh, they often say if you do something you love, you won't work a day in your life. You happen to be working every day of your life, but in, in many ways, although you admit very somewhat, so much a, a job, sometimes a grind, but nevertheless, uh, I, I, uh, grinding away at, uh, at covering the sports of, uh, of, of off-road motocross and, uh, mo- like off-road racing, uh, GNCC, as well as, uh, I, I assume you do some work with the ATV stuff as well. Uh, like it's, that, that's, that's the love, man. And, and uh, it, it's hard to really make that feel too much like work. Oh, a- absolutely. I, like you said, if you love what you do, you don't really quote work, but then again, this, you know, this is more cross industry. Like you work hard, you, but you, if, if you're passionate about it, then it's not that big of a deal. There's so many, I, at the time, whenever I approached Davey, I had nothing to lose. I, I didn't, I was completely unemployed. The company that I had uh, been working for at the time was done. Uh, I was complete, uh, contemplating going back, and going back to college, I finished college, but you know, continuing on in college and maybe getting a job in the real world. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do that because I spent a whole summer in college working at our county courthouse and I was making good money, but I hated it. It was miserable. Like I had nothing to do with their bikes and that's not me. So I, you know, I had nothing to lose and I'm now I'm just eternally grateful for the fact that I, I didn't, I wasn't one of those people who settled in life. There's a lot of people who are just, I have to get a job because I have to pay the bills and I have to do this, I have to do that. And that's fine. Like that's, that's, that's part of life. But I'm so blessed that every morning when I wake up, I get to come to my desk and do the job that I am passionate about and that I have no problem giving 110% because that's all I want to do. Like I struggle with not working, if that makes sense. Like, if I have a day off, like for Easter or something like that, like I feel in the back of my mind, I, I want to be at my desk working right? because I just, I can't get enough of dirt bikes. Well, that's awesome, man. I feel the exact same way. Uh, like there's, um, if ever I have an opportunity to do an interview, or if there's ever an opportunity where I can I can grab the next guest that uh, is going to come on the show to share their story and, and continue to build and grow the the media sphere that is uh, professional motocross, uh, I take the opportunity to do that. Even after it after a, a ten hour day laying bricks, um, to me to be able to to bench race or to, whether it be to shed some light on somebody's career or what they do for, uh, for work within the industry is is 
pure bliss for me. I absolutely love it. Sometimes I'll, I'll work for 10 hours on the job site, hot, sweaty, and gross, uh, and uh, come home, quickly shower, boom, in the, sh- the in the in front of my chair here in my laptop for uh, for three plus hours, whether that be recording podcasts or that's uh, making new contacts and stuff like that. Absolutely love it. Um, is there anything within your job that uh, that makes things exceptionally uh, uh, a little bit easier to swallow? Uh, things that you truly enjoy that uh, kind of like when you get a little nugget of that, it uh, kind of makes it all worthwhile. Uh, right now, I would say two. Um, I really enjoy live tweeting, like watching the races and doing the play by plays on Twitter, what's going on, just because it's, it makes me feel like I'm interacting with not only the fans, but what's, you know, the action that I'm taking in because I have always want to talk about it, whether I'm texting somebody, you know, while I'm watching races anyway. So I'm yeah, you'd probably be live tweeting it anyway. In fact, you probably yeah. were live tweeting it four years ago when just about everybody <laughs> was. Yeah, exactly. So, but then the, like the most rewarding thing I think right now is whenever I get to work on a project, you know, I get to work on an article and then the mail comes and I see that printed article in our, in racer X magazine that like the high that I feel from that, I, I can't even, I can't even explain it. It's in my mind, that's like winning going one, one at Redbud. Like that's, that's, yeah, see, I can't even explain it. Like when you <laughs> see something that, that you worked hard for printed in the largest magazine in the world for motocross, like, holy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it, it absolutely is. It's awe inspiring. The first time, even like I, I'm yet to get into the, uh, the the pages of Racer X, but the very first time that uh, Davey uh, gave me the opportunity to submit something for uh, for his uh, thir- is it uh, Thursday is it Rev- I, um... for Racerhead. Yeah, Racer. That's what it was. Racerhead. He he submitted one of my a link from one of my podcasts in Racerhead, and I was like, I've made it. I'm, I've, I, I'm seriously, I, I absolutely love Racer X. It's what, what gave me the ability to be so addicted to the sport in the first place. So I, I, I owe a huge debt to, to one Davy Coombs, but, uh, absolutely. You're entirely right. Uh, to see like something that you've done go in and, uh, like you, you yourself are very often not lost for words, but it definitely is, uh, in a moment where, uh, you can't quite put things into, uh, you can't quite describe it, but that's awesome. Um, the, the work that you do, um, it, like you've, I've watched over the last probably 18 months, uh, your, your written work and your, your work with the social media, um, just bending upwardly, Every, like whether that be like your, uh, your articles or, or your work on the, on the social side of things. Um, what are some, some of the areas that you had to personally work on to improve, uh, like the reading level or the, uh, the comprehension that people were getting from your articles? And, uh, um, what do you, what do you kind of do with some of the negative feedback that you get? Because, uh, anyone that puts themselves out there opens, opens themselves out to be vulnerable to uh, some criticism every now and then. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> The biggest thing that I get negative feedback on is anytime we do like a lot, sometimes I'll do like some Facebook live videos and using a wheelchair, it's not always easy to get into the spots that maybe the fans want to see. So sometimes I'll deal with comments about like, Oh, well, is this what, this is what it looks like when 
someone gives their kid their phone, like, why is it so low or why is it so shaky or go stand on top of the jumps. And I'm like, it's whatever. I don't, uh, I didn't get where I am by worrying about the opinions of people who don't matter. And not to say that I, I don't mean that people don't matter, but for every, like, that's a that's a senseless comment though. Like, and I guess we right. should have prefaced the fact that uh, we we refer to you as wheels, as that is basically the uh, persona or the uh, uh, the moniker that you've that you've uh, developed through your work with Racer X. But uh, in all reality, you are in fact in a wheelchair, uh, and maybe you can explain that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well, let me let me pick up where I was about the not matter thing first. Yeah, just, sure. What what I, what I mean is so. For every five comments, four of them would be good, and there's that one that's kind of not so good. And to me, those four comments from the people who are pumped on the sport or pumped on what we do, that that is what it's all about. Like the, There are some people who are just negative people, and those people, even before I started working in the sport, like I've never been one to really – care what people think of me. Um, so I, you know, I worry about impressing the people who pay my bills, the people who write my checks, the people who I have to answer to daily and to the people who generally love the, what we do. I don't worry about the negative criticism too much because at the end of the day, like I'm loving my life and you're on the internet leaving negative comments because you're, got a piss poor attitude on life <laughs> if, if, if that makes no. sense <laughs> Don't, no, it's like amen man it's like uh, um the like the ability like as as my following has gotten bigger with the show whether like as as like the when i when i first saw doing the podcast i just wanted somebody to listen i was like any, anybody and anybody and uh and then now with uh like you as you get more people li- watching you will get people who will pick at absolutely anything and uh and, and negativity will always be there but i find uh, although like social media can be a dark place sometimes i find that the motocross industry and the and the fans uh that, that there are some serious bright spots there's some dark ones as well don't get me wrong but uh, i i think that uh, most fans are uh, there's an overwhelming uh positive tone to, to uh, kind of a hopeful tone that uh, a lot of uh fans of motocross bring to uh social media and uh those people far far and away make up for uh for some random people in there who might have something negative or something uh like honestly pretty hurtful to say so uh yeah. let that thing roll off your roll off my back like a duck and same thing for you and it just uh, continues, and honestly, a lot of those people. At any time that I have some something negative, uh, if there's a, a little bit of like like actual truth that I can pull out of that to make make myself better, I go ahead and do so. Otherwise, I just use it as fire or as fuel, and I, I well, go yeah. ahead and, and just crush it even more. Yeah, well, and like I've even like and as a rule, I don't engage with these people, but I have before, and I'm like, you are welcome to come to Iron Man and follow me around all day and tell me what I can do better. Like, let's yeah, go. Come, come, absolutely. come follow me around and we'll, we'll, you know, you can be my assistant for the day. We'll, and maybe you'll make me better at my job. Or, and they always like, anytime you actually engage with those people and if you engage with them correctly, 
they're always like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like they'll backtrack. It's like, because 10 out of 10 people will never say anything to your face anyway. Oh, for sure. The the number of people that, uh, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and I, I've even put my phone, people can look, and it, it's on quite a few different posts. My phone number is in my, uh, my my comments, always. If someone has something to talk to me about, hey, con- contact me uh, personally. Let, let's let's hash this out. Let's 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 talk about this like, uh, like, like humans here. And uh, you know how many calls I've gotten? None. Zero. You know how many texts okay. I've gotten? None. None. No. My my contact information is on my uh, my 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 personal Instagram. It, it it's all out there for anybody who'd like to uh, to to, to uh, kind of wax intellectually with me about something that they might like or dislike. But the, the fact is, is that uh, the work that you do, especially with the work that you do, is uh, is highly involved, and uh, there there's an art to it. Um, I, I guarantee you are not nearly as good when you first started as you are now. There's a learning curve, and uh, you seem to uh, have just been taken into it man uh you, uh you might have been built for this thing yeah i you know i appreciate that i don't i don't consider myself to be the best but i don't consider myself to be the worst either like everything everything you do you're always learning and there's always someone better than you and you can always learn and if life's a ladder like you just keep growing and getting better and better and i think the biggest to answer your question earlier from earlier like the biggest transition and the biggest like thing that I have to, that was hard, the hardest for me when I first started was to learn how to separate your personal posts from your professional posts. Like if I throw a photo up on Racer X or if I'm tweeting, I, I don't necessarily tweet or post on Racer X my opinions or my, like you have to keep things, you have to keep the word I out of it, like, because you're representing a company, you're representing a magazine, you're representing something professional. So right. it, it wasn't necessarily hard. It's just, it, it, there, anybody, I, I'm sure there's people listening thinking like, Oh, well, this kid gets paid to post pictures on Instagram. Like that's yes, but there's so much more to it. <laughs> like you, you have to word things properly. You have to use the correct, you know, the correct terminology. You don't want to use, like conflicting sponsors or you have like it, it, it's marketing. There's, there's business side to it. And to answer your question, like that, that was my hardest and still, and still is my biggest uh, personal struggle is I'll want to word things the way I want to word it. And then I'm like, Oh, well that's, that's, uh, that, that won't go over well. You know what I mean? And not necessarily that it won't go over well with fans, but it won't go over well on a professional level. And I've never had an issue with that. You know, I've never had an issue with that because I always keep in the back of my mind, like I try to be the best professional that I can be seven days a week. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's something that I've I've ran into as well. Like I've offered to uh, run accounts for for different uh, companies and stuff like that. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, forming a, a message from a company is totally different than forming one from yourself or uh, like, uh, like like a personal message or a personal opinion. It, it just seems you have so much more freedom. And like even some of the hashtags that you use uh, on on my personal stuff, I I, I can kind of hashtag whatever whatever I 
particularly want. But if it has some like conflict with one of uh, like a, a, one of the companies I work with, that's a no fly zone. You can't go there, and uh, people will point it out right away. And then you, you can get some dissatisfied customers uh, from those companies as well. Uh, uh, quite quickly um as far as uh like where you plan to grow with what you had or, or or what you'd like to see continue to happen uh with what you're you're currently working with what are the some some of the things that are kind of on the horizon for you uh i, I don't know like that's a to me that's that's kind of a hard question to answer because i don't whether whether it be work or personal i don't this sounds terrible to say, and you're going to be like, what? But I don't look in the future. Like I look now. So like, I know what I, I know what I have to do now. And I, you, you learn from the past, you prepare for the future and you live in the now. So I don't like people ask me before, like, what are your goals? What's next for you? And I'm like, um, this is a great problem to have because I'm living my dream right now. Every goal that I've ever had, I'm living right now. So I haven't had time to make other goals because I don't want anything else. Like I love what I'm doing. <laughs> that's that, that's pretty it, simple. No, that, that, that's honestly like, like to, to ask for a whole lot more would almost be uh, like, um, I don't want to say greedy, but it's it's just that uh, like you know, it's it's pretty unbelievable what you got going right now. Uh, yeah. do, do you see any of the uh, the trends uh, as far as social media goes uh, changing within Instagram or in, within Twitter, uh, and like those types of things that like basically like algorithms change as well as basically what works. Uh, what worked on Instagram a year ago doesn't exactly work today. Uh, is there kind of some strategies that you personally bring to? Um, to your work now that maybe you couldn't have a year ago or something that you've, you've been, you've been using for a long time and uh, it's no longer having the same zest. Uh, I don't want to go too much into that. I don't think because I don't want someone else listening to go, Oh, Hey, this is what wheels does. Like can't give away the, my, my, my tricks. Fair uh, enough. No, the secret I, sauce. I'm kidding. I, yes. Yes. That's right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Social media is always changing. It's always, there's always a new update, whether it's the way you advertise or Facebook Live is a big thing now and videos and it's, it, it, it's almost just this whirlwind of what is the next update going to bring? And working in social media, I feel is almost, it's its own moto in itself like the track is constantly changing this this rut is perfect one one year you know one time around and then the next time it's like well that's not going to engage well you know anymore that that that's that we've got to move on got to fade outside and use something else whether it be going from promoting the magazine with you know a photo or promoting a magazine feature with a spread or this that or the other like we're always we always have to change and adapt to what the consumer and what the what the readers like because it doesn't do us any good to, it doesn't do me myself uh the company any the sport any good to just stay in a rut if like 
you have to change your lines every once in a while. If that makes sense to, to to try and answer your question without answering it directly, but without like completely just blowing the berm and not not making sense. Hey, this is Zach Cummins from Phoenix Racing Co. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live what you love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffay, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Cultures clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day. So, we created Justified Cultures. Navigate justifiedcultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at justifiedcultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Kate Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. (laughs) So hey, I, I, you're you're making sense to me, my friend. Motocross or motocross is a moving target as far as how to market it, and social media and what works is also a moving target. It's uh, it's it's difficult to always understand why one post gets, uh, for me, uh, fifty thousand views and the other one gets six. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's uh, you, you, there's uh, definitely a. a, a a rhyme to the reason, and uh, it's um, it, it's something that like once you've mastered it, and something that uh, once you kind of te- it's, it's a constant trial and error thing, and realize that what what you you have to continue evolving. I think that's business in general is that you're always doing that, and uh, it's it seems like to me uh, motocross uh, and the, the community of motocross engages with social media very much, unlike a lot of different uh, like. Basically, like the even like there's uh, companies within motocross that have um, followings that completely dwarf uh, those of, of way bigger sports. I go to football or I go to hockey. Uh, like gigantic companies like Bauer and CCM and Graf. They, these companies are multi, multi, multi-billion dollar companies worldwide. They cr- create hockey equipment for basically the entire world. And, uh, and those companies 
like their their Instagrams or their their social media accounts are half the size, if not less. They're they're, they're a third of the size of those uh, like prominent brands within motocross. And I think that's very unique about both ex- like extreme sports and motocross specifically. Is that like the because the sport is uh, is so addictive and people want to be interacting with it all the time. Social media really allows them to have that constant pressure uh, of of getting their content in, and that's kind of cool to be involved with that. Yeah, and I think that might, you know, I think that speaks a little bit to the uh, the one-on-oneness, which that that that's not even a word. Uh, the fact that with motocross, you you can it's relate intimate. to your yeah, it's more intimate. You can relate to the fans, can relate to the athletes because they're racing on the weekends too. They, and they are using their products and it's right. just more, it's a, it's a smaller, more tight fit, you know, sport versus baseball or hockey or, you know, and not to shit on those sports. I'm, I'm not doing that at all. I just feel there's more, it's, it's motocross is, motocross is getting bigger. That's the ultimate goal is to grow the sport but it's also small enough to where it has that homey one-on-one feel. Oh, absolutely. No, no other sport uh, can you go to the local uh, pitch or field or hockey rink and uh, see the local or the, the national pros, the, 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 the world-class riders uh, riding the very same conditions, the very same track, and often pitting within maybe a hundred yards of where you're, you're pitting. And, and uh, it's like motocross is totally uh, unlike all sports like that. Like you can't go, first of all, like say like a big sport like NASCAR, you can't go to your local dirt oval and go spin laps with Tony Stewart. But on a Thursday when, uh, especially right, right around now when the stop stopwatch nationals are uh, soon to hit, uh, you'll be like on, on Thursdays, you'll be out there spinning laps and all, all of a sudden there goes Dean Wilson. There goes Ty, right. uh, Trey Kennard, any of those guys, they're getting ready on the very same conditions. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a participant in sport. Most people who, maybe they haven't jumped a super cross triple, but they've definitely uh, uh, launched um, uh, maybe like the uh, the Chattapult or that uphill triple that follows it or, or any of those jumps, or maybe they've even been able to ride the day before national. So they know damn well what the track is like. So uh, that's totally different. Right. That's uh, not like, quite like uh, playing some beer league hockey. That's uh, um, like motocross you can't really do it at a at a recreational level as much as some people like to say they just they don't take it that serious. Right. Well, well, let's take Loretta Lynn for example. Every pro, with the exception of some European riders, that even some European riders have raced over us. Every pro comes through the amateur ranks and through Loretta's and then onto pros, and then some of them retire. And where do they go? After a few years, they go back and race Loretta's again. Yeah, absolutely. You're never going to have, when Chris Bryant retires from playing baseball, he's not going to go back in three, four, five years after retiring and play in the College World Series again. No, he's not. 
Uh, yeah, you know, you're totally right. Uh, it's 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 totally unlike, and I, and I think it's even amazing that there's certain riders that have such a, a an attachment to a specific number that they like their their amateur success and their amateur career is so significant to them that they'll hold on to it for as long as they ride the sport, whether that be uh, a guy like uh, Robbie Rayner holding on to 67 or or um, Jeff Emmett continuing to run 49 or eventually like. Uh, Ken Roxon wants to run uh, 90, like he, he runs 94. Uh, so Adam Cianciarello given the opportunity to run, run 92. Um, it's these like these things that just stick with us and we're so passionate about them. It, it just, it's just a number, right? But it's not. It's, 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 it's who you are. It, it's, it's how people identify you it, with you. And that's why we have our permanent number system and all that. And, uh, um, I, I just think the sport of motocross is, is so passion based, which is, uh, I guess in, in some ways why, uh, we, we, we gravitate to it. We want to work in it so badly that sometimes we're willing to do it for uh, probably a little bit less than what we're uh, probably owed or uh, deserve. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't raced a dirt bike in over 10 years, but I still use 988 in my all my social media stuff because that was oh, yeah. my that was my number. <laughs> like you, that's just how you identify yourself. Like you said, that's just that's just part of it. And I think, like I said, that's what makes the sport unique. Oh, uh, 100%. I know two or three friends of mine who haven't raced, uh, like, motocross since the early 2000s, but their Instagram handle has their motocross number in it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, boys, you guys quit racing about 10 years prior to Instagram being a thing. Like, so you, like, literally had to, like, you still have that attachment to to a number that you no longer even hold onto a motorcycle. That's, that, that to me is, uh, is, is, is amazing and fantastic. And, uh, yeah, and that's why uh, even on the year where I uh, I was uh, had to be held out for shoulder surgery, I still paid my uh, ninety five dollar registry fee to to have my number for uh, for that year because I didn't want somebody else taking my number the year year after that. It's crazy how we are sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, dirt bike riders are we're all we're all wired a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to be a little crazy to do to to uh, be very calm jumping through the air uh, on a two hundred pound machine that uh, uh, power to weight ratio uh, basically blows just about anything out of the water, frankly. Um, and um, but uh, uh, if you could, and I know you kind of like skirted around it earlier because you you had a point that you were driving home. But uh, uh, like the reason why you haven't been on a uh, race motorcycles in ten years is because uh, you, you, it's actually an illness. It's not a, a crash. I was wrong when I uh, I'd assumed that about a couple of days ago. And I guess that's probably a question you get quite often: is uh, that the, as to why you're uh, bound to a wheelchair? Yeah, I mean, being you see someone in a in a wheelchair at a motocross track, what you automatically assume they got hurt racing, which understandable. But no, I actually I have a neuro, neuromuscular disorder that's called. Uh, muscular dystrophy it's a pretty common there are a bunch of different types of it i'm fortunate enough to have a type that really only affects my uh arms and legs and uh like that it doesn't really affect my respiratory as much it doesn't affect my heart and it's not one of it's not one of the more severe ones It, it it's slow slow progresses slowly it's not one that you're, I've, I've, I've lived an amazing life. I don't have any, you know, I don't have anything to be pissed off about. 
Uh, but yeah, so I, I have I have a form of muscular dystrophy. It's called limb girdle. If anybody wants to look it up, it affects my limbs and keeps you know helps hinders me from being able to sit up sometimes and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much how why I use a wheelchair. I didn't start using it until I started college in 2007. Uh, I kind of walked around on my tippy toes a little bit but when I started college it it was getting harder and like to walk around big campuses and stuff like that but I didn't really I I wouldn't use the chair I'd use it to go to class and then I'd park it in my dorm and walk around as much as I could um as like as it progressed I I use it 100% you know every, every day every day now for you know I require a lot of you know help getting dressed and getting out of bed and stuff like that but that's all trivial stuff that I deal deal with to get to the races. You know, a lot of people don't. I don't. I don't want to get to like. Oh, don't. To if you're listening to this and you're hearing what I say and you comment and say I feel sorry for you, I will find you and I will run over your toes. Do not feel sorry for me. But whenever I come, whenever you see me at the track, if I if the race if if I'm supposed to be there at seven. And I roll in at 7:35. That's because it took me an hour and 15 minutes to get dressed in the morning. Like there's, a, there's, I've already gone through two hours worth of, sh- of grinding to even get there. But th- it, it doesn't matter. Like the, uh, that's the trivial stuff that you go through to get to do the stuff that you want to do. Like once I'm at the track, once I'm working, like that's what matters. Absolutely. As I've, uh, my, my mother's told me a million times, uh, you do the things you don't want to do so you can do the things you want to do. And, uh, you're a, a prime example of, uh, of hard work paying off and, uh, being able to do the job that you want to do. Um, uh, from your, uh, given like specifically to your disability, what is your greatest challenge, uh, on a day to day basis to carry out your, like your job duties? Uh, is there anything that kind of holds you back? I try not to let any of it hold me back, but yeah, I mean, obviously I can't get myself in and out of bed. So I got to get from the time I wake up, I get helped out of bed, helped into the shower, helped out of the shower, dressed, all, you know, all that stuff. But once I'm, once I'm in my chair, like I, once I'm, you know, once I'm in my chair, I, I, I require a little bit of help. Like sometimes I struggle grabbing things off the top shelf or, uh, you know, picking up heavy objects and stuff like that every once in a while. I mean, I I need help with, help with stuff, but as far as like hindering me from the job I do, I try not to let it because my, my desire and my passion to do my job the best that I can and to be involved in the sport of motocross far outweighs the physical stuff that I have to deal with it when it when it gets to be a grind and it gets to be a struggle is whenever the physical stuff starts to mess with your your psyche like it invades your mind and then you're like whoa 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 that's that's whenever I take a day I turn my phone off I go to the lake and I go fishing (laughs) like that's my release I go I go fishing I get away from it and then we're we're refreshed and we're we're ready to ready to rip 
Uh, you, you and Malcolm Stewart, the same. Both enjoy fishing. Uh, developing relationships with these riders is a very special thing. It seems like, uh, although, like I mentioned, uh, often you can pit normally only uh, a few uh, few meters from uh, where the the pro guys. They are still kind of almost seems like. Uh, godlike uh, beings within the sport of motocross and most people uh, respectively give them their space but uh, you're, you're on the side of things to be able to have a good relationship with these riders engage with them speak with them and uh, and uh, and honestly gain some fr- some friends along the way uh, speak to the point of uh, of uh, the the uh, the challenge of building a relationship with uh, some athletes who uh, are for the most part trained to uh, maybe uh, not not love the media so much or, or be a bit wary of them anyway um, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, I still, the, the fan in me still struggles with, man, I don't want to go bug this guy. Like he's here to do a job. I don't like, holy, holy crap. Like, I don't want to bother this guy. But then again, like they're just people. They're the same as you and I, but they are really, 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 really good under bikes. <laughs> like I just, I don't know. I, I always, I'm polite. If I, if I want to do an inter, you know, do an interview or do something with them, I'm polite. I ask, I don't ever say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Like I'll, I'll ask, you know, I'll give them, you know, I give them their time. I give them their space. I say, please, I say, thank you. We do what we got to do. And then I go about my way. I don't bother them. I don't ask them for things. Uh, I, you know, and then if I see them again, on track walk, I'll say, Hey, you know, just interact with them and talk to them because like you said, they're, they're there to do a job. They're paid athletes, but they're people. I mean, you find a commonality like that you can sit and talk to some, you know, talk, talk about. And they just, when you, when you treat them like people and not like a subject, then that's when they kind of let you in. And then, uh, you can, you can, you know, develop a friendship from there. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to falsely lead anybody on. I don't have a lot of writers that I'm close with, but there are though, there are a couple that I will hang out with at the track and we'll talk to and like consider, like I consider to be, you know, a, a friend and Kevin Wynnum is one of those guys. Like I, I not to be a name dropper, but, him and his wife, they've accepted me. They've let me into their home. Like I absolutely consider him to be a friend. Jeremy, as I mentioned earlier, McGrath, he, he, he's been nothing but supportive in, in, you know, in the time that I know him. And to me, I mean, I grew up in the nineties. So how can you like Jeremy McGrath is. That's God. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like being so, friends with God. Who and, and yeah. to find out that God's actually a really cool, nice guy, super genuine, and likes showing you pictures on his phone of like his house and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. But no, <laughs> and I don't want to sound like, oh my God, like that's like I, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to be weird. Like I don't know. They're just they're, they're the people we have. You know, we have the same interests, and that's that's what it boils down to. Is you find people that you have interest with and that's how you become friends. It's the same as anybody else. 
Absolutely. I, I've uh, had the pleasure of being around professional athletes for a couple of different things, uh, whether it be training uh, at elite performance uh, as a uh, 18, 19 year old with uh, freestyle skiing, being around guys that were going to the Olympics, guys that were playing professional football. First of all, you find out that these guys are human too. Uh, they, some of them are funny, some of them aren't, some of them are um, like some of them are super genuine. Some of them aren't, but the thing is that they're all humans, and uh, they just and they're they they are spectacular at doing a specific sport, and that's what they do for a living. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's as long as I think if you use common sense and you use some uh, um, this like some just respect for what they do. There's some respect coming right back the other way because uh, a lot of times they, they can't believe the things that you do and the, like that, the struggles that you uh, overcome, whether it be uh, like uh, what I was telling all the guys that I, I drove from Winnipeg all the way down to Southern California. They're like, how long is the drive? It's 36 hours. Like you're nuts. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, there's, there's, there's totally some, some common ground that you can find and everyone honest. And the funny thing is about this, this sport is as much as these guys are, are full blown professionals, they, they absolutely are, are dedicated towards progressing the sport and going as fast as they can on their motorcycle. They are all, and I mean, all of them still fans of this sport and they grew up with magazines and posters on their walls. And, uh, and they, they also see that side of things as well, because when people get starstruck and whatnot. So, uh, uh, I think there's, there's, there are very few guys who are quote unquote cool guys out there that don't have any time for you, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, community that, uh, um, we get to be a part of and I think that's uh, basically one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you uh, come on this podcast man is just to kind of like give give the, the listener not only an opportunity to see you you and what you do but uh, kind of just that uh, how you fit in the community that is uh, the motocross industry which uh, is kind of an exclusive I wouldn't say it's an exclusive club but sometimes it feels like it yeah I mean I you know I, I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate this conversation but uh I think we should talk about some dirt bikes. Like I think we should yeah. talk about last night's racing. I totally agree with you. The uh, we were we as fans, we as the media were uh, were absolutely treated to uh, a great night of racing uh, on a track that I will admit I kind of thought, thought was not going to be um, the most. Um, conducive for good racing produced a track that uh, we had we had multiple changes for leads in every single uh, race which is always important to me I don't want to just see uh, a guy a bunch of guys shuffling themselves in the back of the pack or in the middle of the pack I want to see changes for leads and passes being made whether it be the LCQs or the main events we saw all of that um, and we saw a track that although it got somewhat deteriorated did not get totally beat down to where the guys couldn't ma- uh, manage to get around in a timely fashion uh, what did you see out there what uh, I got to imagine uh, you were a bit stressed to find out that the thing wasn't on uh, on live television, or was that a curveball that uh, you were more than ready for? Uh, yeah, you, you find ways around it. I I was actually pretty. I I just watched it on the internet till I couldn't till I could you know till it came on TV, and I was just fortunate enough to be able to use the the Go app or whatever it's called. But uh, man, that I honestly. I, I, before I, you know, I covered this one from home. I wasn't there. So before I started watching practice via the live stream, I was like, man, I wonder what the track's like. I, I really expected in Utah and being, having the rain that they had, like, I thought it was just going to be like Seattle, just a rut fest, like, 
holy crap, this is this is going to be sketch. And then, like, the track was good. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah like, and, yeah, I don't know. I, I both, both guys at Dirtworks, like, I, I, I've completely given up on thinking we'll have a mud race because they just get out there, wave their magic wands, and boom, the track's sick. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, the uh, that magical uh, uh, drying agent that they use is, of course, dehydrated lime, which uh, basically dries out just about anything. I work with it every day at work, uh, working with concrete, and uh, it, it does miracle things. Uh, that they've, I think they've uh, worked it into the soil uh, long, long in advance of some of these races, and even uh, spread it on top. Does a great job, and uh, uh, Randy Meninga and everybody over at Dirtworks, they they've like on on the West Coast. We've only had two, uh, like, full-blown press days. And one was Phoenix Dome. One was Dallas, also a dome. Every other outdoor event uh, for uh, the the press days have been canceled. San Diego, uh, both both Anaheims, uh, Oakland, you name it. They haven't had them. What, we, you, you and I have never seen that happen, and uh, it's actually it's been a, a kind of a testament to the ability of some of these guys to be to be learning tracks as quickly as they can, because the East Coast guys, especially on the 250 side, have have gotten uh, press day every single time. So that's honestly that's a lot of track time right there. Oh yeah, I mean they don't they don't get to ride all, the the whole track on press day, but I mean they 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 get to ride enough of it where they they know what you know, what they can do in certain rhythms and how the dirt, you know, how the dirt's going to gonna hold up. And, yeah, being able, being able to ride press day is actually very beneficial. Oh, for sure. Like, even if you just get uh, the, the timing down on one of the rhythm sections, even uh, I remember in uh, in Minneapolis, uh, some of the, the – uh, higher up 450 guy or 250 guys seeing Justin Starling uh, bust out a, a, a rhythm section in that uh, uh, it was a two back-to-back um, uh, dragons backs and he preloaded off the one and completely just ignored the next one and uh, and, and jumped over the top of that and RJ Hampshire uh, sitting there being like well that looks pretty fast so yeah. it's, it, it's yeah. pretty cool to see uh, some of the creativity and some of these guys get these things down and uh, um what, what impressed me most about yet last night's track is that uh, um, the whoever was doing the dark fish didn't have everything totally figured out. There was a couple of different rhythm lanes. There was a couple of different ways to go each through each corner. Just that the fact that they had a triple that not everyone was tripling it at every lap. Sometimes guys were going too single and then into the corner quickly, like, and no one could figure out which one was fastest. That's cool to me because, uh, when, when you have indecision out there on the track, you leave the door open for some mistakes to be made, some passes to be made guys that, uh, they're going to a line that, uh, is long since gone away. They continue to go to it cause that's all they know. And they don't know to change up their lines. The race craft that really produces an awesome, uh, event was, was in full bore, uh, this last, this, this last evening. And, uh, we were treated to it. Um, like, uh, let's talk about the 250 race. Um, Aaron Pleasanger came out like a house on fire. He was trying to make up as many points as he could, but uh, the guy ended up on his on his shoulder as well as his head a little bit. So, uh, what did you see there? Uh, and it just that yeah, that was that was a heartbreaker for AP. Like you, I pretty much ha- ha- assumed that well, this one's over. Like I was actually, I hate to say it. But I was actually kind of, it was kind of starting to be a little bit of a yawner 
I was like, oh, well, this, everyone's just going to kind of settle in. And then I think I literally, I just tweeted plus four seconds for Plessinger and then boom, he's on the ground. I was like, oh, well, this is going to get interesting now. I, I, I don't, I don't, it's part of it, but I don't, I don't like to see when writers go over the bars like it's, but it's in the loops or in a rhythm lane. It's, it's never good. I was glad that he was able, you know, able, he couldn't finish the race, obviously, but I was glad he was able to get up. I don't, I don't like seeing when riders go over the bars. Uh, yeah, just the loops bit him, uh, bit Bogle there in the 450 class, bit. No kidding. Uh, that was a scary moment. Yeah. Uh, who else? Who's the kid on the Kawasaki that crashed there? Oh, uh, Forkner. Forkner. And, uh, yeah, just about everyone had had their issues. In fact, uh, I think that honestly had a lot to do with some of the lappers that we ended up uh, coming into because guys like uh, Alex Ray, guys like Adam Enticknap, those guys were looking super human going through those things. And uh, you really got to see whose bikes were really well set up suspension-wise and chassis-wise for those things because uh, there was just certain guys that just straight up couldn't go through them. Even uh, two guys on the same team, uh, Josh Grant couldn't push his Kawasaki through those whoops the same way Eli Helmack could, and uh, we saw that as pure evidence when uh, the two uh, went into the, the, the section at the same time. Yeah, uh, I don't know right now if there's anybody on the planet that can push their bike the way Eli Helmack is. That, yeah. that, that was some next-level stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, back to the 250 class. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it it got good. I mean, it was. I was kind of. It was kind of mundane, and then AP crashed, and then things started happening, and I was like, "Oh, we got a race here." And then it was kind of like, "Oh, well, it's, it, it started to be a like, will he clinch or will he not? Like, what what's the focus was on him? Like, what what was going to go on there?" And then you got Davalos, who he didn't care about their championship. There's money on the line. And so he throws the thing in there and then Hill's like, Oh, well, I think I need to get him back here. And so we, I mean, we saw how it played out, but I, yeah, it, 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 exciting, exciting race in the 250 class for sure. Absolutely. And you'd mentioned, uh, Austin Forkner's get off. Um, the kid just seems to, uh, and I guess like if, Honestly, over the the full calendar year of him being a pro, like he he basically turned professional. Uh, was the the first national? Was it? I think so. Uh, I want to uh, say he was, yeah. Yeah, he turned pro yeah. at Hangtown. So we're, yeah. we've almost gone a, a full calendar year. He he has won motos. He's been to this top step of a, of a national. No Supercross wins. I feel like uh, a bit of humble pie for uh, for a young man who hasn't uh, really done a whole lot of losing over the last uh, oh I don't know six or seven years or so. Uh, what what do you take on the kids? Uh, not only his race uh, and uh, kind of rookie mistake as you would. Um, last night, but his entire uh, rookie campaign on a 250 um, in Supercross, it just seems like uh, a little bit frustrated out there. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I like Fortner. He's super fun to watch. Um, we know outdoors he can win. He, you know, he's proved that, and then all you know, all offseason, a lot of the talk was, wait till he gets Supercross, wait till he gets Supercross, and I almost wonder if, you know, a kid that young who's Coming into a race with all, you know, all that, all, you know, wait till I get here, wait till I get here, like to talk about him. And then 
his expect he doesn't live up to not you know his expectations based on other people it i i don't know i he's gonna be okay like austin Faulkner will win supercross races he's he he's gonna be okay i just oh yeah it's awesome. It's good and it's bad. Like to me, it's awesome to see how mad he gets whenever he doesn't. Like, you know, he'll put something on social media that he, you know, whatever he tweeted today about he woke up and he was still mad. Like that's awesome. That fuels the fire, but don't let it fuel the fire where it's out of control. Like you, you want the fire, you want the fire to burn, but you want it to be contained. You don't want to just send it and send yourself, you know, onto the ground, you know, onto the ground bad. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he very well could be uh, on his way to uh, just getting a little bit too frustrated out there and maybe like going out there in Vegas and trying to prove something or something like that and, and ride over his head a little bit. Uh, I think if Austin Forkner can kind of uh, uh, ste- step outside a little bit, um, like, realize that this is a, a rookie campaign you're going to make mistakes and if you learn from them properly you won't have to make those mistakes again then he can go forward and uh and be successful um if too much emotion in this this stuff these guys uh can get a little bit too wrapped up in it and then they make mistakes over and over and over again and uh for, with that can come some some serious injuries so uh if he if he can uh look at it uh and i know he's got a, gr- a ton of great people around him to, to help yeah do so. absolutely yeah, if if he can if he can go about that the right way, which I, I really think that he would with with a guy like uh, Robbie Rayner in, in his corner, I think he's in good hands there. Uh, but uh, yeah, like like you said, it's good that he's upset, but uh, you got to have a short term memory when it comes to that stuff. Like it's on it's on to the next race. He's got to be on point in two weeks from now in Las Vegas. And uh, honestly, not not a bad uh, season for the kid. He, he did get some podiums, and uh, he yeah. he led some laps here and there, and. Uh, um, there's there's definitely guys out there that have had worse uh, rookie years as far as like uh, highly touted amateurs. So uh, a bright yeah. future for one Austin Forkner. Oh yeah, he'll. They like said I, I like I like that kid. I think he'll I think he'll I think he'll do well. He'll he'll, he'll win races. He'll he'll get it figured out. And it's awesome to see a kid who wants to win that bad. Like he's not happy with second. He's not happy with getting on the podium. He wants he knows in his mind that he can beat these guys and he will. I have no doubt that Austin Faulkner will win Supercross races. For sure. I totally agree. Now, uh, before we move on to the 450 class, some news coming down today about the, uh, about the, some rules in the 250 Supercross class. Uh, the new rule, or the, the, the current rule, or I guess yet last, yesterday's rule, is that, uh, you have three years in the class, uh, accumulating a certain amount of points. I believe it was 130 each year. 135, I think. Right? 135, yeah. uh, and, um, three years. That is now extended to four years, and no matter how many years you've been in the, in the class, you can, uh, defend your title. Um, where do you think that that kind of falls, like, like, first of all, what are your thoughts on the rule change, and, uh, what does that mean for guys like, uh, Joey Savacci, guys like, uh, and, uh, Justin Hill, like, uh, both, both, like, Justin Hill's now won his championship, uh, he, either way, whether it be on years or, uh, on, on championship, he can still defend this thing last, next year, and same thing goes for Joey Savacci, what are your thoughts? Oh, I, I mean, absolutely, if you, I, a hundred percent think that if you win a cha- if you win a title, you should be able to defend. I mean, the, the, that's 
in my mind, that's the way it is. That's the way it should be. If you, if you win a championship, whether it's what year it is or not, you should be able to defend your title. That way you, you're a champion. You, you earn that. Like you busted your butt, you earn it. So the way it was before, you won a championship. Well, here's, here's your trophy. We'll see in the premier class next year. Well, man, I, I'm a champion, but I, I, there's no 450 rides. Like, uh, what do I, what do I do? Oh, well, I'll just stay at home and fish until something comes together. Like that, that's, that sucks as a fan as, the fan of me, I, I just, I, I don't like that. And I don't want to, I don't want to go too much into it because I don't want to say anything that I shouldn't. And I don't want to sound uneducated or overstep my balance. I just, I absolutely think that if you win a championship in the Tivity class, you should be able to defend that championship. Hey everyone, let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing products. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it, these guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one of a kind. The reason why they're one of a kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com 
and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-pack of tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road rangers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone work is the right system for the job. When it comes to four strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today and never settle. I agree with that. I think that it's we it's uh, and especially because I think that there's a lot of guys who win a championship that uh, uh, like there's there's guys like Trey Kennard that did it in his very first year. The guy like he raced for two three full seasons, gone four fifty class, maybe a little bit too early. A guy like Justin Bogle who phenomenally talented, very great rider, still super young, immediately forced to the 450 class because he, I wouldn't say lucked into a championship, but uh, the the PC team was decimated with injuries and just about everyone uh, crashed their way out of that championship, so he ended up winning one two years ago, then gets stuck uh, riding the 450 class last last year, and then now this year, riding the 450 class for no salary. That sucks. That's not where he should be. Uh, And I think you should be able to defend your title. Uh, of course, um, that and like in, in a lot of ways, like, I think that there's some people will talk about the fact that like you you like you're you're keeping kids down, like uh, people are dodging the, the the 450 class competition, dodging this that and the other thing. But to me, uh, having more talented riders in the 250 class just ensures that I see that many more talented riders every single Saturday night and that at me as as a fan as a media person is that's what I want to see I want to see the best uh the best 40 riders in both classes hit the line and 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 show their stuff and I think that uh keeping a little bit more talent in the 250 class allowing them to mature allowing them to nurture them to the point where they're going to be like standout 450 riders is what we need to have uh, so that we can continue to grow the sport and have those talented riders because as you force people out, you have guys like maybe if, if uh, the RCH team wasn't able to have a, a Brock Tickle or a, uh, uh, a Justin Bogle, those guys are out of the sport completely and we lose those riders and I think that would be detrimental to the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I if, if a rider is able to make a living racing dirt bikes, whether it be in a 250 class or 450 class, then that's amazing. If you can, like, those riders should be able, whether it be in a 250 or 450 class, to get a ride, to make a living, and to be successful. It, it, I don't, it, it's a bummer whenever you have a guy win a championship, move up to the 450 class because he has to, 
And then all of a sudden he goes from making a living to dollars out of his own pocket. Like that, 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 that's, that'd be like if a player is in the major league, you know, playing for the Chicago Cubs gets bumped down to triple A and okay, you're in the lineup today, but you have to pay your own flights to get here to each game. Like that's not right. (laughs) No, it, it would be like if you if you uh, if you uh, got too many home runs um, in the in the in the minors, and then like because you got too many home runs, they shipped you off to the to the to the major leagues. But once you get to the major league, because you can't you you can't uh, uh, hit the right. same amount of home runs, you're now going to drive to all the games rather than fly with the rest of the team. Yeah, or you yeah you don't get to you don't get to be in the clubhouse. You get to pit in the bathroom like yeah absolutely yeah. you're right <laughs> yeah that's that, so. it, it, that's totally what happens there's those guys there are riders that uh um just straight up are not in the sport right now because of the their, their inability to produce on the 450 level and i think that uh um like there there's just guys especially on like when we had two stroke days where guys that they just rode the little bike better guys like steve lampson guys like mike brown that uh they're legends of the sport extremely respected and the sport has carried them forward because of that because of the the rides and the the entertainment that we were provided on the little bike uh and in like as much as people want to call it an inter- introductory class and it's not the premier class uh in a lot of ways uh and and you i think you would agree there are plenty of nights where the 250 class provides as good if not better entertainment than the 450 class yeah and i mean especially three four years ago whenever a certain kawasaki was just dominating and the 450 class was like oh like here we absolutely. go absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah. and and we and we easily if if not for a certain uh, german getting injured earlier this year we could have had a very boring uh, um Dude, uh, winter yeah. because uh, like who wasn't talking like coming out of san diego being like all right well this is going to be a boring year and uh um yeah it, it didn't turn out to be that way but uh, uh we've definitely had that in the past especially in the 450 class where we've seen perfect seasons we've heard we've seen uh guys like rattle off wind streaks and stuff like that um it hasn't always been uh like just absolutely tooth and nail and the, the 250 class even going back to the 90s with with uh damon huffman and all that uh great racing in the you know, 250s uh 250 slash 125 class i love it Dude, I, I don't know about you but <laughs> Not so much last night, but today, whenever I was rewatching the 450 main, the only thing I could think was, where would Roxon be in this battle? Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, uh, it's just, you, I, the fan in me, the media guy in me, everything, I want to see, I, I want to know what it would have been like to have Roxon then versus Dungey versus Eli Tomac right now. Like, what that dynamic would have been like, holy smokes. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And, like, I, I, don't, I don't entirely know where uh, Eli Tomac, uh, what, if he would have been able to catch fire the way he, he did, being as far back from, like, if, say if... if, if um, if Ken never gets hurt, he's solidly in. Uh, he was passing for second at the time uh, to get into the position. So let, let's let's pretend like he continues to be maybe not dominant, but extremely fast. I, I, at the time, uh, 
Eli Tomek was even further behind uh, Roxon than than he was to to Dungey at the time, who who inherited the points lead that at that moment. Um, and, and given like all three of them taking points away from each other, uh, that really could have been something to see. I guess we'll bench race about it forever, but uh, yeah. um, I just hope I just to see. think the yeah right. I just think the racing itself last night take last night's race and then throw in the 94 Honda there and just man it could have been it's such a bummer that Tim got hurt like it yeah it, it, it's still you know, I, to this day when I see that crash it makes my stomach hurt if I never see that crash again it'll still be too soon <laughs> Oh, I, I totally agree. You never want to see something like that. And uh, it, as soon as as soon as I saw him go down, uh, I, there's something serious that gone wrong there. And uh, uh, as far as w- w- with his body, and that was gonna be tough to c- tough to come back from. I hope that he's able to come back to 100, percent and only time will tell uh, whether he can. Um, let's talk a little bit about about that 450 race. Uh, for whatever reason, and I don't often look very carefully at the the riders that as the gates dropping in live time, but uh, I was fixing on Chad Reed when uh, the gate was dropping and uh, it seemed like he uh, had flinched a little bit and that seemed to mess with everybody because um, that basically created a bit of a domino effect to give Eli Tomac an absolutely but ugly start. Uh, the only person that was behind him was uh, uh, Marvin Nuskan and, uh, and, and Entiknap was off to his left there. Uh, he's not obviously not... Uh, uh, pumped about that uh, coming around that first corner, and I gotta think he's in full panic mode at that point because uh, at somewhere up there he knows that Ryan Dungey is is moving to the front, and uh, and and hope uh, and even one of the uh, interviews he did after the, the the race he'd mentioned that he assumed that Ryan was going to kind of make a break for it, and uh, so he was in full panic mode, and honestly for the first three laps he. He, although he he made up five positions, he kind of stayed at that tenth place for about, about a lap and a half, and that was uh, kind of alarming because, uh, like, for a little for for about a lap, I didn't think he could get it done. Then, uh, yeah, uh, and then he just did. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. I, I still don't know what to say. Like, I texted Weed last night, and I was like, uh, "Wow." Like, that's all I could say was, wow. But, yeah, going into the first turn, I, I think I I think I paused and rewound and watched the start three or four times now. And, yeah, he was there was two people behind him, and then it was all systems go from there. It was, uh, I don't want to assume, but it in my mind it was alarms were sounding, red flags, go, 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 go. These guys, just, just go, like, now, 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 now. And he did. Like, it, you you can watch him. It's like, man, where's he? Like, in my mind, I was like, okay, he's gonna podium. Like, he'll he'll end up third. And then I'm like, oh, well, no. Like, he's gonna run down Dungey. Like, this is happening. And then he did it. And I was like, that if he wins the championship. That was a championship ride right there. Like, holy smokes. Yeah, no, that was a championship ride. And, uh, I, I was actually amazed. I was honestly, like, the, like, the, the kind of the jaded fan in me kind of wasn't surprised to see that Ryan Dungey didn't, like, like, 
leap away like like so many champions in the past have done, like put that, that real estate between Jason Anderson and, and himself to the point where uh, as, if Eli Tomek can get to second, he'll never be able to catch uh, Ryan Dungey. But at one point, uh, like the, the pursuit of uh, of Tomac on uh, Anderson actually helped both of them wick up their pe- their pace, and they were both catching Dungey at one point, who was riding very defensive, very robotic, and um, it was just uh, at that point, even when uh, Tomac was in third, it was like it's just it, it was inevitable. There was ten minutes left in the race, and uh, and he was knocking on the door, and uh, he made the pass at six minutes, uh, just shy of six minutes, and it was just after that, it was it was curtains. See you later. Six 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 second uh, difference, and. Uh, a total of over over 18 second uh, of, uh, of of real estate that uh, Tomac was able to make up on a track where it was a pretty small track, so there wasn't a lot of time to make up time. Um, yeah. it, it, that to me, amazing. Like the guy, literally, there he made up 18 seconds worth of time in just under three quarters of a race. And you know, he didn't he didn't waste any. You know, he got kind of up a little bit but he didn't waste any time with his passes like if he would if he was going to pass you in the corner after the loops he committed to that pass entering the loops like he knew where he was going to pass you and he wasn't going to waste any time and the you know it, it made it a little bit it made it a little bit more exciting there whenever he ran it in on Dungey and then slid out and Dungey was able to get him back but I don't know you know, had he not slid out there, I think he would have passed him there, and there would have been no counter. And that, that, that's kind of a bummer because I I don't know what it is, and I don't want to speculate, and I don't want to say anything out of tone. But I just I I wanted to see Dungey put up more of a fight. Like, one just get aggressive, just go for it. Like one time, I just want to see Dungey just gas on, brains off, just just. You're not beating me. Come on. They're like, uh, I'm over this. Like, no, it's not happening. This is mine. Yeah, no, and I totally agree. I would love to see that. I just, um, we've never seen that. We've never, like, no, e- even, no. even on a, on a 250, on a, on a 450, um, behind, uh, whether it be Ryan Villapoto or whether it's, uh, like when he's being pressured by Ken Roxon or now, uh, Tomac and it's it seems like and it and it, it's honestly shouldn't be too much of a surprise because of uh like people have to remember Brian Dungy as amazing as he is is truly a product of, of great hard work incredible um uh Absolutely. discipline and, and work but honestly he was not a blue chipper he was not a odds on this kid's going to the front uh like this kid like uh, amateur wise he wasn't highly touted he didn't have those those like people like the all of people around him just like the, he was like grow up just winning everything all the other guys that have basically fed him his lunch as a professional have been those incredibly dominant riders since a very young age even Ryan Villapoto who kind of toiled in second place behind Michael Lessie as, a, as an amateur he was toiling behind one of the greatest amateur racers of all time and for and in his own right, in his last year as as an amateur, absolutely waxed everyone. People forget that at uh, Eli Tomac was an incredible amateur rider, and most people, probably yeah. yourself and I included, had a poster on the on his wall on an eighty, let alone a two fifty F. And uh, and same thing goes for. Uh, 
for for Ken Roxon. So these guys, they've they've been growing up the entire time. They've probably even saw Ryan Dungey as he was going as an amateur. Uh, like they they've they've been just conditioned to go faster than that guy and he's been conditioned to to worry about them being behind him from a very young age and like i don't mean like and i like i apologize to ryan dungy if he ever does hear this or if he takes offense to it in any part of mind but i have to be honest when i see in my 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 analysis of ryan dungy when there's an incredibly highly touted talented rider behind him he squirms like a toad and he just doesn't have that flair he doesn't have that uh confidence and that is needed to 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 assert his will on these guys, and it's never been that case. He's never been able to do it with Ryan Dungey or Ryan Villapoto, rather. He was never able to do it with. Uh, he, he seems to have had like the, the the Germans have the kryptonite when it comes to uh, uh, to Ken Rocks, and, and same now with uh, with Eli Tomac. When you get these guys that really know how to put, push his buttons, they know how to push all of them, and uh, the, it's it's not a pretty sight when they do. Yeah, uh, I mean. I yeah I I think that Dungey has always been just a finesse like smooth going for it going fast but just finesse and he's never been that you know he's not a bulldog like like Tomac but he is he, any you you can't you can't count you can't count him out ever like in Ryan Dungey will, when he retires and he's done from with the sport, he will go into the Hall of Fame as one of the best dirt bike racers of all time. He's one of the best guys to ever throw a leg over a dirt bike. He's the most one of the most consistent riders ever. And I mean that guy, yeah, he 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 he's a multi-time champion for a reason. Totally, and uh, I, I kind of compare him a little bit to uh, uh, Kevin Windham. Incredibly talented, smooth almost to a fault, and uh, in in a lot of ways, um, if if not for a couple of different riders, uh, Kevin Windham would have absolutely wa- mopped up tons of championships. I think, uh, th- like in the case of Ryan Dungey, he had the opportunity where he had some years where that that. Uh, extra special competition wasn't quite there or had an injury or uh, um, just wasn't wasn't as consistent as him uh, to collect those championships and I think for that reason he'll be remembered differently or maybe uh, maybe more superior than a guy like Kevin yeah I mean I'm, I'm not gonna argue with that Fair enough, but uh, yeah, it, it's the table has been set for two, two races left, three points separate these guys. Um, right now, on a set, on a Sunday after uh, after Salt Salt Lake City, who's winning the four hundred and fifty title? Uh, I mean, uh, in my mind, yeah, in my, I, I hate being thrown spot. In my mind, Tomac. I think that Tomac's just on another level right now. But Ryan Dungey is Ryan Dungey. He could come out the next two rounds and go, I'm tired of people talking about me. Like, let's do this. Like, I will never bet against Ryan Dungey, but you can't look at Eli Tomac right now and bet against him either. Like, can, can, I, put, can I put half my money on black and half my money on red and see what happens? <laughs> 
Well, you, you, you do that, you hedge your bets, and uh, either way, you're always right. But uh, in, in all reality, uh, I think you're totally right. Uh, there, like This can go either way. It's way too close to call. I think on pure speed, if there's no if there's no problems on uh, on Tomac's end, uh, he's, he's got maybe a little bit of edge on, on just pure on momentum. Now he's got momentum and points at this point in the series. Uh, but uh, if, if you were to, uh, if you wanted to put some money on which one of them is most likely to cost himself the, the championship or, or throw it away with a, with a, with a crash of some sort, my, my money is also on, on, uh, on Eli Tomek for that because he just hasn't shown himself to be as consistent as Ryan Dungey has been over the years. So uh, uh, like I said, right. time will tell and it's going to be some entertaining racing, my friend. Uh, I think that, uh, we're we're in for a good one. I I agree, and I uh, I'll admit that my answer was the most wishy washy answer ever, but it kind of fits the fits the narrative of the season. It's been kind of a wishy washy season. Like what 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 what's going to happen? No, no, it's so much uncertainty. Absolutely. When you get a guy, you get a uh, races where uh, you've got. Um, uh, Throughout the season, we've seen a ton of different guys on the podium. Everybody from uh, uh, Blake Baggett to Cole Seeley to Jason Anderson to uh, you name it. Like we've had, we've had Brock Tickle. Like I think we've all probably set a record for most amount of different guys on podiums this year in the 450 class. Um, which I think I might have to check out that stat. Um, which is it just shows amazing parity and and some great rides uh, uh, this year in the 450 class, and uh, it, it's been good to see. Um, Shifting our our, uh, our our sights onto the outdoors for a short bit, right before I kind of let you go here, uh, and I guess we'll talk a little bit off air. But uh, uh, the reason we we kind of got on this phone call is uh, we got into the comments a little bit on a uh, on a Racer X post about video games, uh, and uh, we're both kids that were both born in the greatest year in uh, Canadian and American history, 1988, um, and. Uh, yeah, like uh, we, we were mentioning about uh, motocross video games. First one I ever got to play because I didn't have a gaming system until I was 13 years old was MX Superfly. You echoed those sentiments, but uh, I, I'm willing to bet you've probably played them all. Uh, yeah, I think so. I uh, well, championships, championship motocross with Ricky Carmichael. That one, was, yes, I played that one a lot. That uh, one had Bubba Stewart in it too. On 125. Yeah. Um, I play was well, it EA Sports Supercross, the one that Art Ekman uh, had, had the Art Ekman voiceover. Yes, uh, you, you'd hit somebody and be like total disregard for the other riders. <laughs> and uh, uh, Excite Bike on Nintendo sixty four played that one. Uh, the oh shoot, what's the what was the McGrath versus Pastrana freestyle game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, yeah. That was. That that one like that's a that's original PS one that kind of left a little bit to be desired a little bit sometimes yeah I I'm, I mean, I played them all I think the one I obviously the one I played the most was in my first ATV reflex I used to play that game for hours upon hours like stay up till two in the morning like every night play that game yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah the the the, the PS two game Supercross or uh, PS1, PS2 game, Supercross Circuit. Uh, all the, if, if there's a motocross game out there, I'm pretty sure I played it. So I think you and I got, I think you and I got a little, uh, got a little uh, competition. Not really competition, but was it a friendly 
video game night plan for Millville, right? Heck yeah. Millville is happening. I will be ra- racing uh, Amateur Day on Friday, but directly after those motos, we're going to be motoing down uh, uh, MX Superfly. I might actually have to get a couple other uh, PS2 uh, games or, uh, and, and, and uh, get a console there. We're going to game a little bit and, and throw that down and, uh, and, and pretend like it's, uh, it's 2001 all over again, my friend. Uh, it's, it's, it's tons of fun. I enjoy playing those games. Games and uh, uh, as long it's everything in moderation. I was never like honestly. The funniest thing about that particular game is that uh, that was the first game my dad got me when he got me the system. But he would not buy me a memory card. And for the for kids now and and uh, oh, yeah. don't remember, uh, if you had a PlayStation Two and you didn't have a memory card, every time you turn off your PlayStation Two, you just lost your game. You, there's it doesn't. It wouldn't remember at all. So um, you, you would, uh, yeah. I, I would, I would have to go in and retry and beat that game every time I'd play it. So I, I wouldn't play it for hours and days on end uh, f- for that reason. And that, uh, it's kind of always kind of got me in the habit of not playing an incredible amount of uh, motocross video games. But uh, I think that. Um, uh, Media guys play them, fans play them. Uh, I guarantee a lot of the riders play them, uh, whether that when they were growing up or even continually now. Uh, I think there's there's even a couple of stories of uh, of some, especially some. For 90s moto, uh, some pretty serious uh, uh, um, motocross video gaming going on, and uh, we totally have that plan for Millville. Uh, we'll, we'll arrange some accommodations and uh, uh, no doubt some probably some extra large pepperoni pizzas to go along with it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that, man. It's lots of fun. Uh, my, my copy of, uh, of Superfly is already on its way to my house, so uh, we've yeah. got to get a couple things in, uh, in place, and uh, we, can, uh, we can start gaming. You are. Uh... You bring you bring the games. I'll, I'll order the pizza. We'll we'll make it a deal. What you what, does, does it have to be pepperoni? What's your, what's your pizza of choice? Doesn't matter, man. As long as it's hot, I uh, I'll, uh, I'll 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 scrape it down. So uh, you, how, you how, how do you how do you feel about how do you feel about fruit on your pizza? You like ham and pineapple, Hawaiian pizza? Heck yeah, yeah. Let's get some Hawaiian. Uh, Hawaiian yeah, there you go. And, there you uh, go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down, my friend. Well. Uh, I'm in. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, iron out the details off air, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Wheels. I want everybody to follow you on Instagram and all your social medias, as well as uh, keep tabs on all the uh, the, the Racer X uh, stuff that you're you're currently doing. Look for those uh, those articles in the in the the, the paper paper version of uh, of the magazine itself and um yeah just keep keep an eye on uh, on on wheels and uh interact with him follow him uh because you are a, a motocross media member on the rise and getting better all the time i really appreciate you coming on give me some time i appreciate it thank thank you for having me on thank you for everyone who follows you know follows racer x or follows me or you know without the fans you know there there's 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 no sport so it's awesome i actually was at dinner uh last weekend and in my hometown here and somebody that i didn't even know come up and said hey are you are you wheels from racer x i I read your stuff and i was like wow but thank you that's like that's awesome so if you see me at the nationals or at a supercross or wherever come up say hey let's take a selfie we'll throw it up on uh social media and uh yeah well i appreciate you having me on and i appreciate i appreciate it awesome man well don't hang up just yet for podcast sake we'll cut it off right there all right